Welcome to Get Paid for Your Pad, the definitive show on Airbnb hosting, featuring the best advice on how to maximize profits from your Airbnb listing, as well as real-life experiences from Airbnb hosts all over the world. Welcome. Get paid for your pad. 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 This episode is brought to you by Hostfully, a company that helps you make beautiful guidebooks for your listing. Make your own at hostfully.com slash pad. And as a special for Get Paid for Your Pad listeners, you'll get a free guidebook consultation after you make your guidebook. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Get Paid for Your Pad. Today, I have a very special guest. He is the author of a book that has just been published. And the book is called Room for Profit, and it's all about the short-term market, the rise of the short-term market, how the market's grown a lot over the last few years, and also the future of the short-term rental industry. So I'm very excited to talk to my guest, Tristan Rutherford. Welcome to the show. Uh, Thank you very much for having me, Jasper. How's everything going? Uh, yes, it's very well. The book has been met with some real acclaim. Room for Profit, it's uh, for sale on the Amazon store right now. I think people have really picked up on the the interviews that we have on the book. We seem to be the first people to write about the Airbnb trend from a journalistic background. I'm a reporter for The Telegraph and The Times and The Guardian in Britain. So we've brought a lot of really interesting personalities, CEOs from really big short-term letting industry companies, and brought their input and voice into our new book. Awesome. That sounds great. But let's take a step back and talk about how did you come up with the idea of writing a book about this topic? It seems that the market hasn't been commented on before, but this is a life-changing market, an industry that's actually affected people's lives. At the very start of our book, we interviewed someone who was actually one of my mother's neighbors in my hometown who was struggling for money just two years ago. And she realized that purely by chance, because her brother-in-law was renting a kind of garden shed out in Brighton, in Britain's South Coast, for about £60, about €70 a night, that she could do something similar with a spare room. Now, we're not talking big sums, Jasper. She started letting out her room for £30 a night, about €40, €38 a night. But then she started doing it really regularly. She undercut local hotels. She offered a better service. And then she started leaving her entire house in the summer and going away for six weeks, renting her entire home. And again, the sums perhaps to some of your listeners aren't huge. She hopes to get about six, seven, eight thousand extra thousand pounds a year. But that's a massive change for her. It means so much. So from the big to the little, we've told everyone's story in this book. And I think it needed telling. Right, because the book basically consists of a number of interviews, correct? That's right. We've got about eight interviews for the book. The rest of the book, about 70% of the book, is about the rise of Airbnb and TripAdvisor rentals. We'll talk about the future and what that will hold. We've interviewed people uh, like Ian McHenry, the CEO of Beyond Pricing, and Laurel Greatrix, an associate, associate director of TripAdvisor rentals, about how they see the market changing. And that has a big 
impact on on many of the hosts who will be listening to your show. Right. And I have to apologize because I introduced you incorrectly. You're the co-author of the book, right? That's right. My other author, the other co-author, Gary Roberts, is the CEO of one of France's leading holiday rental companies. Pebbles has about 180 short-term apartments under let, and she has done for about 10 years. It's interesting because Gail is a six-year post-qualified lawyer in Britain. So she brings a legal aspect to the book. We talk about the legalities all around the world of doing this. We've even interviewed people in Berlin and in Barcelona, which are cities that have taken a, uh, a dimmer view of Airbnb. And we talk about the positives of what Airbnb and the short-term ministry brings to many cities in the world. And you've been an Airbnb host yourself, correct? That's right. I'm lucky enough to have about 25-star reviews. In fact, it's a business I've been in for about 12 years. I moved to France as a relatively young journalist, and I did struggle to make ends meet in the start. And again, by chance, someone rented my apartment through word of mouth. There was no website you could advertise on years back. I'd use Google AdWords. This is 14 years ago, 13 years ago now. So the industry I've really grown up with, first on HomeAway and then Airbnb at the very start, so I've seen the changes firsthand, which has made it far easier for me to put myself in other people's shoes when I've authored this book. Right. So let's dive into the content of the book a little bit. First of all, let's talk about the sort of the rise of the short-term rental industry, because it's been growing a lot and it's projected to grow even more in the future. Mm. Yes, that's right. It's We've compared it to the automobile industry 100 years ago. This happened all around the world. There was about 1,000 different car firms producing cars at one point. But now everything's consolidated. There were only seven automobile companies producing over half of the world's cars right now. That took over 100 years to occur. The short-term letting industry, the ability to put your place online and have it booked by someone in Colombia or Shanghai in any different languages in the multiple of currencies, has only been around for 10 years, less in fact. But even now we see consolidation of their business. We even looked at a website called tripping.com, which is consolidating every different rental website there is, a Canada Stays, a VRBO, into one mega site, which has 8 million properties listed. And that means a lot. That makes a lot of difference for the industry going forward. Right. And are, can you provide some uh, numbers about you know how fast the industry has been growing and what's projected for the future? Yes, there's a few very, very interesting projections. I'll talk to talk about two different interviewees actually quickly. Laurel Greatrix, an associate director at TripAdvisor Rentals, was kind enough to be interviewed for the book. She talked about over the past few years. In 2014, she did a survey at TripAdvisor Rentals, and they said that about 52% of their users will be interested in booking a vacation rental for that particular year. But two years later, in 2016, over 70% of their users were interested in actively booking a short-term rental property. So the market has become part of the furniture. People are actively looking to book an Airbnb-style apartment when they would have booked a hotel until a few years ago. There were some very interesting quotes from Ian McHenry, who your listeners probably know as a CEO of the rental revenue tool Beyond Pricing. He predicted that it, by 2018, 20% of accommodation bookings worldwide are going to be with the short-term accommodation holiday rental type properties, not with hotels. Right. So those are some big numbers. Now, 
you know, I've talked a lot on the podcast about how a lot of people are using Airbnb and other platforms and how it's growing very fast and how the, you know, the hotel industry isn't particularly happy with that. And one question that I always have in mind is, is this travel incremental or is it substitutional? Because when I look at some hotel data, I don't really see the number of rooms that are booked in hotels going down. So my guess is that a lot of this travel is actually incremental. So these are people that would have otherwise maybe stayed with family or they wouldn't have traveled at all. What are your thoughts on that? Yes, I. Um, it's a very, very interesting subject. I've been a travel journalist for EasyJet magazine, for the Times for many, many years. And I've traveled the world about 65 countries so far. I haven't noticed the travel industry going down. In fact, according to the UN World Tourism Organization, travel goes up by about 4% every single year. And that will be for hotels, that'll be for short-term accommodation. People are booking more stays in a variety of different options than ever before. And that trend will continue every year. Yes, there may be a few less French traveling if there was a session in France next year, but it's more than made up for more Americans and more Chinese holidaying in the future. Now, on a personal level, we stay in a lot of Airbnb apartments and short-term letting apartments uh, around the world every year. We travel more than ever before because it's easier. I personally have a young family, as does my older sister. So we can stay longer because apartments are better made for us. It's They're larger, they're less expensive. You can fit a baby car to make your own lunch if you need to. So I think there's more travel than ever before. I haven't noticed the hotel industry in crisis. I've simply seen more people traveling and certainly more people staying in short-term accommodation properties. Exactly. That's my observation as well. So yeah, I don't I don't really see a big problem on the horizon for the hotel so much. It just seems that, you know, because of the short-term rentals being so much more available. It's just more people that are uh, that are traveling, or at least they're booking accommodations. Yes, yeah. Some of the statistics we had from Airbnb was uh, from London was the actual uh, length of stays. People tend to book stays of four or five days rather than two or three days, simply because it's easier when you have have your own apartment. It's hitherto been less expensive when you're staying in a short term stay rather than a hotel. I think this brings a lot more money to the cities involved and should be applauded, really. I know there are downsides, stuff we've talked about in our book, from our interviews in Berlin and Barcelona with city officials there. But I think the positives far outweigh that. And the truth of the matter that we found from our book, Room for Profit, is that the industry is here to stay. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. What are some of the biggest downsides, do you think? When we looked at the people in Barcelona, and in Berlin, the downsides they said was about, actually, let me give you some quotes, Jasper. It's quite interesting. There were some maths that we looked at in Berlin. We looked at some studio apartments in the Neukölln area. Uh, the Neukölln area is a very trendy part of Berlin. By coincidence, it's somewhere that I've stayed several times. I visit Berlin every year. It's a brilliant city. You used to be able to book an apartment there for about 500 euros a month. But now the issue is the sort of apartments I would have booked are about 60, 70, 80 euros a night. So obviously people are going to buy those apartments and rent them out as a short-term stay. Now, I don't think there's so many that will completely change the housing market. When you look at Airbnb in Neukölln, as I have done in the past, as I have lots of friends in Berlin and I love to stay in that great city, it's not all Airbnb apartments. It's not saturated simply people making money on the side. 
half a million people stayed in Berlin in 2015 in holiday apartments, added loads to the, to the local economy. But, you know, uh, so I don't think it's changed it that much, but people will still have an issue with that, that perhaps people buying up buy-to-let properties will change the local housing market and make it more expensive or indeed too expensive for people who've habitually been living there. Yeah, I definitely think that the rise of Airbnb and other short-term platforms, you know, it's probably has an upward pressure on house prices. Mm -hmm. But I think there's bigger factors at play, though, because if you look at the sort of the last 20 years, I mean, housing prices and rents have been going up every single year, pretty much. Yes. Maybe in the, in the crisis, it came down a bit, but the overall trend has been, has been going up. And it seems that, uh, you know, an Airbnb is just, yeah, it's kind of like an easy scapegoat, you know, to blame everything on. That, that's right. Yes. It is a very, very easy scapegoat. I'd agree. I think the Airbnb studies um, showed that half the Airbnb hosts in Berlin earned below the Berlin medium household wage which is about 1,600 euros a month. So these are people who aren't making so much money, certainly aren't making it from Airbnb, they're making it on the side. And indeed, the first person that we spoke to for our, for our book, Room to Profit, is the first interview, uh, the lead part of our book, is someone that was struggling for money and made ends meet by renting a spare room in her property. So uh, I think it's helped the little guy, really. And certainly in places that there weren't any hotels previously, in Neukölln or in Brooklyn, in New York, these are places that haven't had many hotels previously. It's why Airbnb and its competitors have really taken off. So if you want to stay in those places, this is the only accommodation, really, that you've been able to book. Right. There's just not no hotels available. Mm. Exactly. Host, I can't emphasize how important it is to share recommendations of things to do or eat near your listing beforehand. Your guests won't have to go through TripAdvisor, Foursquare or Yelp. They won't have to scratch their head and think about possible places right in the moment. I've been using Hostfully to create an online and printable guidebook to show my guests my favorite coffee places in Amsterdam. They use my recommendations and I'm getting fewer questions from my guests as a result. I've also included screenshots of my guidebook on my Airbnb listing as a way to differentiate my listing from others. So make your own guidebook at hostfully.com pad. You mentioned that your co-author has a lot of experience in the legal industry. Yes. Do you talk about the legal situation and what you expect for the future in the book as well? We do. Yes, we do. Well, one of the interesting things was this is a, a direct quote from the book, and we've had, had this happen to us. Gare Roberts, my co-author, the CEO of uh, Pebbles Letting Agency, has had this happen before. Just imagine this legal conundrum for one moment. Who should pay up for an accident caused by a Portuguese cleaner inside a Spanish villa owned by a Swiss national that was booked using an American credit card by a Mexican citizen on, on a holiday rental website based in Luxembourg? Now, this is the kind of legal issues that holiday companies and booking.com and local councils are, are, are facing in the future. We delve a lot more deeply into this in our book. But this is the sort of ideas that are coming forward now, and no one knows quite how to deal with that. The other aspect is the future of Airbnb and the legality of the short-term letting industry. 
There's something very interesting called Travis's Law, which was a phrase invented in Trent 2017 by Brad Stone, the famous Silicon Valley journalist. His new title, The Upstarts, how Airbnb and Uber are changing the world, talks about this Travis's Law. Travis Kalanick is obviously the CEO of Uber. Now, Uber's expansion, its wildfire expansion into 200 plus cities, has met with regulatory issues. Any company expended that fast would have the same story. But with Uber's law, according to Brad Stone, Uber's Travis's law states that politicians can be forced to accept a service better than the existing one by peer pressure alone. Now, uh, Brad Stone quotes the London black cab strike of 2014, when 12,000 taxi drivers, 12,000 cabbies blockaded the British capital in an anti-Uber strike. Now, that strike didn't work. Jasper, because on that day, uptake of the Uber app in London increased by 850%. And 200,000 Uber supporters went on social media to, to complain about the taxi strike by 12,000 black cab strikers. I mean, faced with those numbers and the demand for Uber, you're not really going to win. And what Travis's law, what Bradstone states is the likes of Uber and Airbnb are here to stay. They simply have so many users, so many people profiting from them, rich and poor, that they become part of the furniture. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I mean, I mean, to me, in the end of the day, it's just better technology, right? It's better yes. for the consumers, so you can't stop it. That's right. Not, not just the consumers, Jess, but for me, as a person with 12 to 14 years experience in renting my own home on a short-term letting basis, it's been very beneficial for me as a host as it has with many of the people who we've interviewed in our book. Right. Absolutely. It's been very profitable for myself as well. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about the importance of reviews. I know that's something that you get into as well in the book, right? Yes. Um, I noticed that one of the quotes in the book, it says that on TripAdvisor, 72% of people would not book a listing without a review. Yes. I think that's quite significant. Yes, it's very significant, isn't it? Uh, this is from uh, Laurel Greatrix, an associate director of, of TripAdvisor Rentals that we interviewed. I mean, this has been uh, TripAdvisor entered a vacation rentals business in 2008. They only had 50,000 uh, listings then. But now they've purchased uh, Neumbia, Holiday Lettings, Vacation and Rentals, House Trip, all different websites. And they now have a million properties in 190 countries, nearly half that of Airbnb. So these guys are a major player. One of the interesting things was about the power review that Laurel was, uh, was stating. In 2015, Jesper, they, TripAdvisor Rentals undertook a survey and it showed that 72% of their users would not even consider booking a rental property that had zero reviews. And I think even if you have one review or even two reviews, that makes such a difference with the amount of traffic, the amount of interest you would have in your property. Absolutely. Yeah, the reviews are so important. And I always recommend people who are just starting out to, you know, do whatever they can to get those first couple of guests in. Mm. Because once you have one or two five-star reviews, it's a game changer. Yeah. Interesting. What are some other topics that you would like to mention that you cover in the book? You know what, just back to the reviews, some very interesting things about dealing with negative reviews that Laurel Gregix told us. 
it was very nice to have a director from TripAdvisor to actually talk to about this subject, as it's so dear to uh, to many of your hosts, something that you always want to chat to a TripAdvisor person about. Her advice on managing negative reviews was to kind of tackle the points raised. And she's mentioned that everyone has a right of reply to explain how those issues have been addressed. She said to be polite about it. If you answer in bullet point form every negative point that's been raised about your place or your hotel or your restaurant that's been reviewed, you look a bit churlish. It's a bit of a childish thing to do. You look a bit mean. She says instead to respond to any review thanking users first for their comments and then explaining how you're going to address each of the issues raised. Now, Jasper, I don't think the person who is reading your review, a negative one, will be interested in what the person has said about you. They will be interested in how you've made it better. So if you got a bad review maybe one year ago and you've replied to say, yes, I have changed that broken washing machine. Yes, I've now put blackout blinds in the second bedroom. Yes, I've now got 10 megabyte Wi-Fi instead of just one megabyte Wi-Fi. They know that now so you can move forward and advertise your better words. I think that's a really, really good point. I wrote an article about two years ago, just after I launched my book, and I titled it, How a Negative Review Can Help Your Airbnb Business, because I had just received my first negative review, and there's a few positive things that came from it. Well, first of all, I was able to make a few adjustments based on the feedback, but also I responded to the, the review in a very professional way, you know, thanking the person for the yeah. review and exactly like you said, like mentioning how I've made improvements. And I was thinking, you know, if you'd never get a bad review, then you also don't have the chance to show that, you know, you take the feedback serious and you deal with it. Yes. And one negative review with, you know, let's say like 50 really good ones, it gives you the chance to show that you're a professional host, but at the same time, I don't think there's going to be many negative consequences from that one bad review because everybody knows that you can't make everybody happy. Yes, yes, true. So that's a pretty interesting um, sort of counterintuitive thought to have. Yeah. We also interviewed someone from the book, uh, Jack called Stuart, and he sends all of his previous guests a really nice email every year. He's worked out the Many People book around Christmas time, or the first week of January. I imagine that's because families have time to get together and to talk about their next vacation over the Christmas New Year period. So he emails maybe on Boxing Day or the 27th of, uh, 27th of December and tells them what changes he's made to his holiday rental property at that year. During that time, he's taken lots of private feedback from the guests that have stayed. He's asked them, thanks for the five-star review, but is there anything I could do better? And they may say, yes, we would like a Bose sound system or you have an iPad dock or an iPod dock, but that's not good enough for my iPhone 7. If you have Bluetooth, that's better. So he'll tell everybody what he's bought for that year. So he's, you know, kind of like forward thinking, a negative review. And he's told all his previous guests how he's made it better without them even asking him to make it better. So that's a way of kind of managing before negative review happens, what customers next year will want. That's really interesting. That's a good advice. We're getting to the end of the interview. Can you tell people who are interested in the book, how? what's the best way for them to find it? The best way to find Room for Profit is simply to go to the Amazon store. It's published in paperback if you want to read in that way. And you can also buy it as a Kindle ebook as well. 
Awesome. So for everybody who's interested, just go to Amazon and you can find the book Room for Profit. Uh, it sounds really interesting. I'm definitely going to read it. Any final words that you want to share with the uh, audience? Yes, there's one final one. One of the interviewees who was spoken about in Henry, I think someone you've interviewed in the past, the CEO of Beyond Pricing, really talked about this industry being here to stay and the whole industry going around it. I said, look, Tristan, short-term rentals are a $100 billion a year market now. There's all these add-ons and plugins like Beyond Pricing, like Everbooks, Everbooked, like, like Guesty, that are going to go with this business. And he also said that, you know, he said that 50% of hosts are going to be using one of these add-ons, one of these inserts, one of these third-party tools by 2018. Half of all hosts around the world, that's a massive number. And he also said that by next year, 20% of all accommodation bookings around the world are going to be with Airbnb or short-term property websites. Now, that's just changed in 10 years. I'm sure a decade ago, 99% of accommodation was in hotels and guest houses. This market didn't exist, Jasper, that we're in, and we're talking about it in our book, Room for Profit. But now 20% of bookings this year are going to be with this. And that is an industry, that is massive change. That is Memphis Chains indeed. And it's funny that you mentioned the, these quotes from uh, Ian McHenry, because back in 2014, when I launched my book, Get Paid for Your Pad, I was looking for players in the Airbnb space, and I couldn't really find many players. And Ian McHenry was actually the first person that I talked to. I think Beyond Pricing was probably the first startup in the in sort of in the Airbnb ecosystem, or at least one of the first ones. But that has changed dramatically because right now, almost no day goes by that I don't get an email from a new startup in the Airbnb space mm. asking for, you know, collaboration or promotion or something like that so it's you know definitely it's really interesting because some of these services and companies that have popped up are, are really interesting and, and you know very out of the box uh creative thinking so yeah they're all growing as well uh, as a final word jasper um when i spoke to ian he said that in 2014 when he spoke to you his firm was managing four million dollars of bookings per month but last week when i interviewed him he was managing four million dollars of reservations per week Wow, that's four X. Four X, yeah, four X plus. So this is how the market's heading and it's growing. And for myself and you and your host listen to this, it's just very nice to be part of it. Absolutely. Well, Tristan, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been super interesting to talk to you. And I wish you all the best, the book. Okay then, Jasper. Thanks for having me on the show. Look forward to chatting to you soon. All right, and for the listeners, thanks for listening and see you next time. Get paid for your pet. 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 Get paid for your pet.